0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Good morning, everybody, or at least it's morning when we're recording this. I'm not sure when you're listening to it, but this is Paul Gray with Grace to All. And boy, have I got a wonderful guest for you today. You're going to enjoy Melissa Nees so much. She's a wonderful young lady who was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, into a family of strong Judeo-Christian faith with an incessant and desperate thirst to know God. And she deeply values the faith passed on to her by her parents, which gave her a solid structure from which to understand spiritual things. Ultimately, though... As with many of us, almost three decades within fundamentalism, this didn't allow her to find the answers that she was seeking. At the age of 29, she had a spiritual awakening that she'll tell us about that upended her entire life and pointed her to answers so simple and satisfying that she found it impossible to keep them to herself. Now Melissa has made it her life's mission to share spiritual truth with others in a way that's easy to understand and, more importantly, to experience. She lives in Montana with her husband and three children, where she spends her time homeschooling her children and sharing God's love on her YouTube channel. Her main areas of focus are universalism, Christian mysticism, and non-duality. She loves teaching from the Bible, A Course in Miracles, and near-death experiences. And her joy is to help people know and experience that God is love and that God is within them. So having said that, which is a wonderful description Welcome, Melissa. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Paul. Thank you for the wonderful introduction there.
0: Well, you're most certainly welcome. And as we always do, Melissa, I like to start out by asking people how your growing understanding of God's unconditional love and grace for everyone, how's that changed your relationships where the rubber hits the road, friends, family, people that you relate to?
1: Absolutely. I would love to do that. I was raised within a pretty strict fundamentalist branch of Christianity that basically taught that people are predestined to either heaven or hell. And God only loves the elect, so God loves those who love him, and he hates those who hate him, which really that's manipulation, not love, right? That's the opposite of love. And then I moved on from that when I was 19 to what would be considered a more common Christian understanding today, which is good, a step in the right direction where it was taught that God loves everybody. He does love everybody. But because he loves everybody, he can't manipulate them. So we're going to the opposite side now because love is not manipulation. He allows us to have free will, but there's not much that he can do about us making our own choices to basically destroy the whole earth and crash land ourselves in eternal ruin. So we have these two different extreme views of love. One where God's love is basically manipulation, one where God's love is basically permissive parenting, which is considered unhealthy. I love you so much, I just have to let you do whatever you want. Ironically, for me anyway, in my experience, these two views of God's love had a similar impact on how you would view the world and how you would interact with those around you, It basically creates this very hopeless worldview and I was depressed. I was very depressed. I was suicidal. I had a near suicide attempt when I was a teenager. Even beyond hopelessness, I would say to just not caring. Like, Why care about the suffering of the people around me? Why would I show anybody God's love or try to share Christ? Because ultimately, what good is it going to do? Maybe I'll impact one or two people, but I can't save the world. I can't do anything to influence the world's salvation or people's eternal fate at the end of the day. When I was 29, I reached rock bottom in my life. My husband and I had 10 years of really struggling where we kept losing our jobs and getting kicked out of our homes because we couldn't pay the rent. Our marriage was on the rocks. And I reached the point where I just said, this is not working. I need something that's more real. And I finally found the courage to look beyond the religious boundaries that I had always been told I could study within. And I started reading near-death experiences. I started looking at alternative ways of viewing things. And I had this incredible spiritual awakening as I realized, wait a minute, God is love and love is not what we've been told that it is. Love is not manipulation. It's not um, powerless permissiveness. It's actually something much more foundational to our existence. So, in near death experiences, for example, the star of the near death experience is the light. And 8 million, they said 8 million people have had a near death experience. It's probably gone up since that statistic. But all the stories tell the same thing about a God who is so much more wise and capable and loving and good than we have ever imagined or been told. And he can give us free will because. He knows that we can't get away from who he is or who we are or the reality of the universe, which is that love is the unchanging, formless reality of all that exists. It's the building blocks of our universe. Everything that exists came from God, who is love. So we are all expressions of love. And I was just listening to Nancy Rines' book the other day on her near-death experience, and she describes it this way. God's love is like gravity. You can delude yourself into thinking that you're getting away from it, but you can jump off a building, but you're not going to get away from it because it's what you are. Coming to this realization, it changed the way that I interact with people in two ways, I would say. First of all, it's liberating. It's freeing. It takes the pressure off because you realize I don't have to get somebody to believe my specific set of doctrines in order for them to know God jesus taught heart change he didn't ask people to confess him as lord and believe all the correct doctrines in order to know him he said you know me when you have love in your heart that's expressed as love in your actions when you love the least of these that's how you know that you know me and so it just really simplifies everything i can share god's love with people and that's really what's required And so the other way that it impacts my relationships is that it's very empowering because I no longer see the world as basically hopeless and there's not much I can do. What's required of me is very simple. It's simply to express the nature of God, to express the nature of love. And when we experience love, that is an experience of God. And that's all we have to do is express that. And God will take over the rest and he will work in people's hearts In whatever way is specific to them that they need. And so it's very liberating. It makes life very joyful. It makes relationships so much more fun and so much less pressure. So yeah, that's how it's influenced my life, and my relationships.
0: But wonderfully and powerfully said, and you know, Melissa, I've done uh, over 200 of these podcast interviews now, which I've enjoyed them all. But the One common thing that virtually everybody says when I ask them that question is, it's taken off all the pressure and it's empowering.
1: Yes, uh, (laughs) yes.
0: And I, I just, I hear that over and over again. And I think, man, who wouldn't want that? And gosh, the pressure that I used to feel when I was caught up into fundamentalism. I, it, it was just all up to me. And I like it. If I didn't do things right, people were going to burn in hell forever. That's a heavy burden to carry.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and you can't. So people just shut down.
0: Yeah. I think that's in huge part of what Jesus meant when he said, uh, you know, come to me and I'll give you rest because my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So You started on this journey by deciding that what you were doing wasn't working. You started looking for other ways to see things. You started reading about and hearing and listening to near-death experiences. Are there particular books or people or instances that stand out in this journey, especially when you got started on it?
1: Oh, yes. Um, Howard Storm's story, his near-death experience, was life-changing for me. It opened my eyes. Kimberly Clark Sharp. Rene Passereau. I love all three of their stories. Now, tell
0: us about your very early years when you were up till five years old or so. What was it like for you then and knowing about God?
1: Oh, yes. My very early years up to about the age of five were much better. This was before we joined the really strict church that I was raised in. My dad went to seminary, and he knew Greek and Hebrew, and he has a wonderful relationship with God. Really, he was the light of my childhood. He modeled God for me. And so in those early years, he taught me the names of God in Hebrew, and he taught me the Hebrew alphabet and all about the cultural context of the Bible. He did provide that connection with God for me at a young age, and that's something that's never left me.
0: So you had an understanding of God initially that was then tarnished, I use the word, by religious involvement. Yes. So do I recall right from listening to your videos that when you were very young that you remembered what it was like before you came to earth, before you were born? Am I putting words in your mouth? <laughs> no,
1: no, that is very true. And it's not something I've talked a lot about. So thank you for asking me about it. But yes, I do have memories that drove me crazy because I had no idea what they were or how to get them back. I just had this memory of this, I call it a light, but it wasn't a physical place. So it wasn't like a physical light, but this all consuming love and like this hurricane of brilliant light that completely surrounds you and completely satisfies all of your desires and needs. And it's very hard to describe in words, but yes, I have memories of that.
0: And so did you talk to anybody about, did you talk to your dad or other people about those memories?
1: My mom says that I talked to her about it when I was really young. I don't remember that. I just remember mostly keeping it to myself and not understanding what it was.
0: And so then when you embarked on this journey now, when you were about 29, did those memories start coming back to you or did you see the tie-in?
1: I've always had them. I suppressed them a lot, especially as I went on and got really involved with this world and this life here, which is very different from that. But when I started reading near-death experiences, I think for me personally, that's why that was so life-changing for me because I was reading the stories of other people who were describing what I remembered and I realized, wait a minute, this is real.
0: Yeah, it's great, and so then you've been able to tell other people uh, about that with your uh, YouTube videos. And uh, what are the what are the types of things that you talk about on those videos?
1: I mostly try to share an understanding that God is love and what that means, and how to find God, how to experience God, which is within you and then within everything else. Not so much in a a mental understanding or a religious doctrine, which can be very helpful, but it's not an actual experience of God. So I try to help people find an experience of God, an experience of love, and empower them to know that love is what will change the world.
0: Indeed. And so what do you tell people? How do you help them to see what love is really like and to experience God?
1: Well, I think I try to tell it in a lot of different ways, whatever I think would be most effective. but Basically, well, recently I've been talking a little bit about self-inquiry, looking within yourself and finding that place where you connect with God because he is within you and shutting down the mind, getting past the mind and emotions and starting to live in that place of being. I am that I am. That's who God is and that's who we are.
0: And so practically speaking, how do you do that? What advice do you give people as to how to actually do that?
1: Find a quiet place, close your eyes, shut down your mind, get past your mind and your emotions and ask yourself, how do I know that I exist? Who am I? And then that place in you that says I am, I am real, I am exi- I exist, that is the place in you that that's spirit that came from God. And I'm not saying that you are God. I don't like to use that language. Some people are comfortable with it. Maybe you are. I don't know. No, I'm not. Okay. But you and God are both spirit. You are connected. That's the part of you that he breathed out of himself. So you find that place that says, I am. And it's like a deep well of peace. It's like all-consuming love. It's like a brilliant light. And it's right there inside you. And that's where you connect to God.
0: Did that happen to you over a period of time? Was it an instant thing that at one point in time you were able to do that? Is it something you've developed? How did that come about?
1: That was a lot of steps getting there. First, it was mentally understanding that God is love and that everything is love and God is in everything. Then it was a process of learning to work with my thoughts and renew my mind so that my mind is in alignment with God is love and God is in everything and starting to see that in the world. And then I was realizing there's a much faster way to get there, and it's just being quiet and going within myself and finding it.
0: Yeah, we've talked a lot about God as love. How would you describe that love?
1: How would I describe love? I would say that love is the metaphysical reality of what God is. God is far beyond anything we can understand, but he's expressed himself metaphysically as love and created the universe out of that. So love is the building blocks of this physical universe. And that's what we all are. And I believe Richard Rohr said, love is the unifying principle that is underlying everything and pulling everything back towards God. So again, love is like gravity. Love is how we know what God is like.
0: And how do you describe that love? What characteristics does it have?
1: It's unconditional. It's unchanging it is complete and perfect within itself it doesn't need anything from anyone else so it is forgiving it doesn't hold faults against anybody it can allow people to be who they are and develop at their own pace while also knowing that that path will lead to an awakening that they are already loved so it's it's like it's this balancing act because it's pushing people to learn and grow and discover while at the same time pulling them back in to
0: the reality of love. Yeah, well said. That unconditional seems to be a hard concept for people who are still in religion to grasp. There's always a, well, yeah, God's love is unconditional, but but there are no buts, are there?
1: Exactly. There's no buts.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know with me, Melissa, that was a, you know, I thought I knew what Words like agape and love and grace and forgiveness meant. And uh, I've just been on a journey, as uh, I think you have and, and many of us have, of just realizing, gosh, almost everything I thought I knew was not the truth. And that can either drive you crazy or it can be freeing and want you to go further down the rabbit hole. But for some of us who had a lot of time and money invested in organized fundamental religion, uh, it's a hard pill to swallow that we've been following the wrong thing for a long time.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: So, you homeschool your kids. Yes. How old are they?
1: Nine, seven, and five, I think. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Somewhere in that range, yeah. So, and maybe we'll uh, get into this much more in another interview, but uh, how do you incorporate the things that you've learned about God in your homeschooling with their regular education with reading, writing, and arithmetic?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, it's a constant journey for me because I'm very imperfect, but I try to model it first and foremost. I think that's the most important thing, walking them through their actions and how to model love towards each other and towards other people is also really important. It has been a struggle to find resources. Maybe they're out there and I just don't know them. So I I tried to come up with a lot of my own little exercises. So we'll say at the beginning of the morning, pick five ways that you're going to show love to people today. Or as you go about your day, how can you see God in the people that you interact with? Or one thing I did once was we put water in the bathtub and then dropped pebbles in it and watched the ripples, and then said, This is how our actions and our thoughts and our feelings and our words affect the world around us. They ripple outward and affect everything, everything in the universe. So just fun little activities like that.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Sadly, there don't appear to be any resources like that available. So maybe with your experience, you'll be able to write those and publish them and get them out to people.
1: That's a great idea.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was sorely, sorely, sorely needed uh, Gosh, well, there just isn't anything, and, and most religious things for kids have that underlying thing of you're really not good to begin with, and God's watching you and, and keeping track, and what a horrible thing to teach kids. I don't know any other way to say it, but we have the opportunity to do something different now.
1: Right, because that's a self-fulfilling <clears throat> prophecy. If you teach kids that they're sinners and horrible, worthless, rotten sinners, which is what I was taught, and I know not everybody's that extreme. But if you teach them that they're sinners and there's something wrong with them to begin with, and God can only love you because he looks at you through Jesus, it's not healthy.
0: No, it's not. And some of the research that I've done in my own experience, many people, uh, especially men, many people who are in prison will say that mom and dad said, you're so bad, you're going to end up in prison one day. Oh. And- Sure enough. But the good news is we have the opportunity to end that cycle and teach our kids differently. Our time is almost done, Melissa. We're going to finish up in a minute and then we'll do another interview that people will hear a week later. So before we finish, tell people how they can connect with you, where they can hear your messages and those types of things.
1: My YouTube channel, Love Covered Life, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Melissa Denise, D-E-N-Y-C-E.
0: Great. And so they can subscribe to your YouTube channel, be notified when something comes out, and hear all the good things that you've got to say there.
1: Thank you, Paul.
0: Well, thank you so much. And thanks, everybody, for being with us today on another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.